Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com, the big change program and well start health. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an exciting and epic life. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. It's with Sarah Bowfinger, who goes by Mer Goddess, as in Mer, the ocean, the sea, like mermaid. And it's a really fitting name for her. Sarah swam before she could walk, literally. Uh, she was born with hip dysplasia. Uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. Isn't that something that golden retrievers get? And she required six surgeries before she celebrated her fourth birthday. So as a baby, she was put in the water for therapy and rehabilitation, and she took to it like a, uh, well, mer goddess to water. And swimming, as well as dancing and gymnastics and other sports and activities, helped her take the mi her mind off the discomfort and pain of those constant hip problems. But a seventh surgery at age 15, which cut the bone and added pins, proved especially painful. And the rehab took a lot longer than it had done before, which took Sarah out of her swim team, out of her element, out of her community. And like a lot of people... She got addicted to pain meds, the ones that were just given to her for sort of short term use in the hospital, the morphine, and then her uh, outpatient drugs of Tylenol with codeine. And as she recovered physically, but sank ever deeper into substance abuse, Sarah watched her Olympic dreams drifting away. After all, good female swimmers typically make the Olympics as, you know, teenagers, age 15, age 16. By the time they're 20, they're pretty much washed up. And she saw the clock ticking and she saw her opportunity gone forever. And she felt sorry for herself, gave up and used pills and booze as the way out. And her rock bottom and her slow and unlikely redemption, which is pointing towards the 2020 Olympics when she will be in her 30s, is one of the most inspiring stories I've ever been privileged to share on this podcast. Uh, spoiler alert for you plant fans. Sarah went vegan 120 days before we spoke, uh, inspired by a mutual friend, Laura Marks. Before we get to the interview, a little bit of business. All right, so the business for this week is twofold. One is I would love to get more patrons, which is to say more people contributing financially to help me devote the time and the resources to this show. So if you're a longtime fan, and you have it in your budget to spare a buck a month uh, or two or six or 18 or whatever, that really helps me. 
And you can do that at plantyourself.com. Just go to the right sidebar and click on the Patreon link. Thanks. Second thing, Well Start Health is going to be starting our coach training probably in the next couple of weeks. So if you haven't gotten in touch with me, I know a lot of you have, and I've put you on a waiting list to let you know, but we're, uh, we're getting rolling. So if you'd like to become a health coach, and I know this is not yet a certification program, so you're not going to come away with any fancy letters after your name. I, I guess I could, you know, give you some like uh, like they do in The Wizard of Oz. But uh, it's it's really um, what I consider to be the best practices in coaching and helping people shift their behaviors and helping them follow through on their desire and motivation. So if you're interested in learning that from me and from others, uh, drop me a line, uh, Howard at WellStartHealth.com. All right, so that's out of the way. Let's get back to our conversation with the Mer Goddess. So without further ado, Sarah Bowfinger, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I don't know if this is going to end up being uh, audio only or video. We've been trying video and having some some technical difficulties. But if, if people are watching it on the video, you've got a patch uh, on your on your hoodie <laughs> Um, can you tell us what, what it says and, uh, what it means? <laughs> um, it says the Olympic United States Olympic team. And, um, I am currently training for the 2020 Olympics. And so, um, today one of my, uh, yoga friends brought me this, um, sweatshirt. And so to me, this represents that I've already made it. All right. Well, so uh, we'll we'll look back on this interview in uh, a couple of years and uh, and I will be bragging up and down about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, t- you know, t- tell us your story. You first, first, you know, tell us like uh, the sport and the, a little bit of the context and then we can get into your your amazing journey. Yes. So, um I love to swim, and so currently, um, you know, I, I'm i not saying that I'm swimming certain events because I am swimming all the events to see um, what it is that my body is going to be the best at. And so for me, like, I swam before I walked, and so that's why my passion is swimming, and that's why I'm a mermaid. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Your your email signature says mer goddess, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you swam before you walked. Was that like oversight on your parents' part? Like they didn't <laughs> notice that you fell into a river or something? How did that happen? Well, no, just because. Um, I'll get a little bit into it. I I was born with hip dysplasia and um, most, if you've heard of hip dysplasia, most times you hear it from a dog. A dog usually has hip dysplasia. You don't really hear many humans having hip dysplasia, but what it is is that your hips are completely dislocated. And so having hip dysplasia at such a young age, the doctors recommended that swimming would be essentially a really great um sport just like for me to do rehab so I didn't actually think that I would you know get into swimming but it was just for me to just kind of de-stress because you know you're on traction there's a lot of stress going on in the body as a as a little baby you know trying to get all these surgeries so I was able to get into the water and that 
helped me, you know, kind of define me, right? Because most children like walk maybe before their year. I think it took me a year and some months to finally be able to walk. And so for me, just the water was that for me. Gotcha. So do you have memories of that time or is this all like stories you've been, to- been told by your um, I have like a, a few memories, but um, not like really clear. I mean, I know that, yeah, my parents, they were really, um, I was the f- uh, firstborn child. So this was all new for them. You know, they didn't have any children before. So they wanted to do the best that they could for me and to make sure that I could still live a happy, healthy life. Right. Hmm. So what what uh, did the surgeries and the rehab do? Did it bring you back to quote you know normal hip function, or was there was there lingering issues? So um, I needed to have six surgeries before I was three and a half years old, and so they had told me that these surgeries I would be good, or I might need another surgery like like maybe high school age, like 15. And so I actually had pretty normal function hips. Um, That's when I got into swimming. I was a dancer. I did some gymnastics. My parents had me in all types of activity so I could kind of forget about, um, you know, the hips and all those things. But I did suffer with um, pain and things when I would do sports. Um, And so then that later led to when I was 15, um, I went to the doctor and they told me that I needed to have a seventh hip surgery. And what had happened was on the right side of my hip, most of that was um, done with most of the surgeries. But on the left side, the cartilage was wearing out. So you probably hear this in older adults when the cartilage is running out, they're going to need to have a hip replacement. Well, with a kid that's still growing, um, if they cut the bone into three places and then pinned it, I would able to have normal hip function. And then one year later, they would take the pins out. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So is that what you did? Yes, that's what I did. So I had the surgery. Um, you know, that surgery for me led to um, some addiction and, you know, some other things because that surgery, it took me out of my element, you know, because now you've already had these surgeries. And then at 15, you're having another one that you didn't think that you needed. Mm-hmm. And addiction to pain meds? Yeah, pain meds, because this surgery, I was put on a morphine pump. And um, the morphine pump was essentially to, you know, just help with having the pain because you had this reconstructive hip surgery. Um, I was on crutches for about two weeks, but I was on the pump in the hospital for about two, probably I was in the hospital for about a week, um, but I was mostly drugged out. I mean, I didn't really recognize, I couldn't even, I couldn't even, I'll say that I don't even really remember that, but I just know that I was on that morphine pump and that just led to doing Tylenol codeine, you know, pain pills and through all my life just kind of led to destruction. <laughs> so how, so you, you were out of it in the hospital for a week, then I guess they, that what they sent you home with a prescription for like 90 days worth of, of pills. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tylenol with codeine. They would send. Um, that was the main one that they sent me with. But then once I, I would take a lot of like ibuprofen and things because I just. It was just like I had in my mind that my hip was going to hurt. And so now I got used to taking something when my hip would hurt. Gotcha. And, and I'm, I'm trying to picture like this sort of, you know, I don't know the, the story, but I'm picturing like this sweet suburban girl who's a gymnast and a dancer and a swimmer suddenly having to figure out how to become uh, an opioid addict. Yeah. <laughs> like, how did, you, how, did, how did you do it? Like, how did you... Did you just sort of intuit your way towards it? I mean, it's a skill. Like if if you told me to become a drug addict, I wouldn't know how to do it, where to go, how to source it, what to take. How did did you navigate that? So I'll say that um, for me, um, you know, falling in love with swimming and all those things, like that was my dream to, you know, be an Olympian. And so at 15, if you – have followed the sport or anything, you know, a lot of the good, good swimmers, they kind of make the Olympics at 15 years old. So for me, when I had this moment of, you know, just feeling like unworthy for myself, I then allowed myself to, uh, you know, just basically, I just felt so bad for myself that for me, the pills was that way out for me instead of like talking to someone or, you know, just like saying, Hey, this was a setback. Let me like go through and like move past this and I can still do it. But for me, I had given up. And so giving up was like, Oh, I'm just going to take this pill. I'm just going to do this and you know, I'll get through it. Hmm. I mean, I'm just trying to imagine myself at the age of 15 having any sort of, you know, emotional resilience or resources around that. Uh, yeah. So how, how how long did that last? So I'll say, um, you know, like my my parents also were, you know, like they they kind of got like when they knew the doctors were giving me these things, like they kind of like took a a hold on that. But like as you're in high school, you know, you ask around people, you know, have different things. They have their parents getting things. So I would just, I mean, this lasted like, I mean, it went through all the way to even when I went to college. Mm. It really, like, I'll say that, like, actually it, it kind of went all the way until 2014 when I decided to um, find holistic healthcare options without using pills, like to find ways that I could relieve any pain that I was having without taking a pill. So what were the what were the downsides of the pills? Was it your, you know, the, the your relationship with them? Was it the, the the effects they were having? Like what made you say this is not optimal? Well, I'll just say that when, you know, you're taking a bunch of pills for for all of a sudden it just stops giving you the effect that it first gave you. So, you know, you first are like, oh, this is working. And then eventually, like when you're taking like one a leave or two a leave or, you know, ibuprofen or, you know, five or six of these pills and finding that it's not really doing anything for you, you're just like, okay, what is the point of this? And is this my life? You know, like, is this where I'm headed? Is this what I want? 
for myself. Mm-hmm. So was was it that the pain was was bad or was it sort of a fear of the pain that might come or might come back? I believe that it was a fear of, you know, the pain coming back and attracting that those scenarios that I was born with and then had to have those surgeries again to keep reoccurring in my life because I didn't want to have a hip replacement. I didn't want to have you know, and I didn't even want to have that last surgery. I hope that it was all done, you know, mm-hmm. but I think for me, like, yeah, just constantly thinking that, oh, I'm going to be in pain or, you know, the people saying, oh, be careful, you know, you have these fragile hips like that, all those, you know, those words, those things that I would be thinking really made it so I believe that. Mm. So when you were growing up between like three and a half and 15, you know, I know you were very active, you were very, you know, into swimming and lots of other activities. Did you have a self identity as someone who had had these problematic hips and they might continue? Because I'm thinking about like, your goal is I want to be one of the fastest swimmers in the world. Yeah. And at the same time, you were born with hip dysplasia. Like, was it was there a conflict in there? Or was it was it not that? heavy for you? So there was a conflict and I'll say the conflict started when I was about 11 years old because at age six, I joined the swim team. I ran out and was like, mommy, I love it. You know, I want to do this. And then I became very good. Like I was good. Like I, um, you know, I was a natural distance swimmer. The coach would put me with, you know, the higher people. But once I started really like actually like, you know, training really hard and these types of things at 11 years old, I started to then think like, oh, what if I can't do it? What if my hips are, I'm not able to do it. And so then that would be when the pain started, I would sit out and practice. I didn't really practice that much because I was like, Oh, my hips, my hips. Then at, and then once I was on the swim team at age 17, I, you know, brought alcohol to a swim party and, you know, it just like, it just started like my relationship with swimming. It started affecting my relationship with swimming. Hmm. So it's uh, at a certain point, some part of you, like I'm picturing like this really energetic, positive, optimistic, innocent gr- little girl who's like all about, I'm going to do this. And, yes. and then it's, it's, at some point, some older part started saying, yeah, but. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what happened. A uh, fear that of not knowing or believing that I couldn't do it overcame that excited, like little girl that just wanted to have fun. Hmm. So 2014, you decide you're, you're done with pills. You've got to find another way. What, what do you do? So I um, found this place in, um, I'm in the DC area and I found this place called Nava Health and Vitality. And so what they have is a space that offers acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, um, natural supplements, and showing you ways to alleviate this pain that you think that you're having 
um, and helps you not actually need the pills. So I, till today, I haven't had, I haven't even had an ibuprofen, a Tylenol, anything like that since I started applying acupuncture, chiropractic, massage, and, you know, just mindfulness. Hmm. So at, at, at what point, I, I guess I've, um, I don't know how old you are now, so I don't know exactly how far where, where the story goes. At, w- at what point did you decide you wanted to be an Olympian again? So when I was tw- in 20, so I'm 31. And okay. so in, um, so I would say in 2012, um, let's take a step back. In 2010, I was um, working a job and I got fired. And so when I was looking to, um, you know, find another job, I had received unemployment and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity to kind of like find myself and see what I want to do. I was overweight. I couldn't fit in my jeans. I was just like, just really, you know, not really liking what I was doing. So then in that that quest, I decided that I wanted to help people while I was helping myself. In 2012, I started a personal training and swim coaching business. In that time, I was helping people and all these things. And then in 2014, honestly, when I, you know, found this holistic care and all these things, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to announce that I'm going to train for the Olympics. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But this time, I am not going to let my obstacles be the cause of me not doing what it is that I want to do. Hmm. So so 2010, you, you, you quit your job, you were getting unemployment. And it's like, what, what happened? It was two years when you announced your your business. What what did you do during those two years? So those two years, I was getting into the into starting to get into the best shape of my life. So you know, I was going to the gym. Um, I had cut out alcohol at that time because um, from you know college, I would say when um, I would say in two, two, 2010 was when I actually stop drinking alcohol altogether. So, you know, end of high school, early college, I was drinking a lot of alcohol. And in 2010, when I lost my job, because the alcohol was just kind of getting ridiculous and the pills and everything. And I said, you know what, I'm going to at least stop this. I stopped eating fast food. And so I just started being more aware, starting to really love myself, you know, because Mm -hmm. when you start to really look at your life and what it is that you're doing and you're not happy with what you're doing, you know, you start to then like, okay, let me make some changes about myself. And so that's what I did for those two years. And then I, I really created the um, personal training swim coaching business because I felt like I needed to create some kind of, you know, abundance or money for myself so that I could then train for the Olympics. So, mm. you know, I was always putting the Olympics or training or whatever it is that I wanted to do last and trying to then, oh, I'll make this amount of money and then I'll go and do it. 
But then in 2014, what had happened was I was inspiring so many people, I was motivating people, and I was running myself down, and I wasn't doing what it was that I wanted to do, and I wanted to see how far my body could go, how far I could push myself, and so in that time, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to train people and, you know, and that was how I got to 2012 and 2014. Gotcha. So um, what were your what was your family thinking at this time? You know, this this uh, this girl with all these possibilities and skills and seeing, you know, I don't know how much you hid from them about your, your addictions. Um, what, what was that like? Well, I'll say that um, they they saw a lot of. Um, a lot of a uh, person that maybe I would have never wanted them to see. Um, especially like in college, I went to Frostburg University um, and I failed out. Um, I got a 0.75 because I was just interested in drinking alcohol and not really a- attending classes and not really applying myself because again, I was just so lost. I was using the alcohol and the pain pills to try to find myself, but I was actually what I was actually doing was not finding myself. I was just like destroying myself. And so my parents saw that my dad would go to church, um, you know, every day and just pray that, you know, I would, I would find myself and I was surrounded with other people that were similar, like the people that I dated, you know, they reflected, um, who I was at the time. And, you know, and it was just, a. It was just an interesting um, time for me. And they, you know, they really, it was really probably sad for them because they did so much for me. And so they just didn't understand why I would be like that, you know. (laughs) Sorry, I'm a little remembering this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So 2014, so we'll... uh... We'll take it to the positive uh, <laughs> place. So that's um, when you fa- you figured out how to cut out the pills and and, and do these other nourishing things. Uh, yes. So what happened then? Um, so then also um, in that time, I cut out gluten and dairy. Um, the place Nava Health and Vitality Center, they um, – have a test that they do. And so I found that my body was um, really sensitive to casein and gluten. And so um, I started cutting those things out and my body was feeling really great. Um, And I found um, some swim teams to be on. And so I was like really training and I was noticing that even with the recovery, with the acupuncture, you know, the new way that I was eating, um, these things were really helping me. And like, I was getting faster. And, you know, it was really exciting to see like, myself being faster than I was when I was 15. Hmm. And, you know, how at that point, how far away were you in terms of capability? from being an Olympian, you know, cause I, I don't exactly know like what the times you need are like. So, um, I would say that at that time, um, I was about 10 seconds 
away from a Olympic cut. And so with the Olympics, you can qualify all the way up a month before the Olympic trials. So, you know, I knew that I had, um, you know, time, but it was also about qualifying for certain state championships in your, um, in your state, um, you know, and all those things. So I was, you know, focusing on just really getting my times down and be having more quality to my swims versus just like training really hard and not taking care of my body. Mm. So did you find a coach? I did find a coach. I had, um, I started with Columbia masters and they were really great. I coached the swim team in return for, um, free swimming. Um, I also found a team called GBSA, which is a club, um, kid team. So these kids were ranging from 13 to 18 years old that I was swimming with. And in return, I was giving them some of my strength training tips because, um, most of my, how I've gotten stronger is by really dedicating myself to my strength training outside of the pool. And they were able to help me with my technique and, you know, just different things in the pool, the cardio and all those things in the pool. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, so uh, you said 10, 10 seconds away. So what did that mean? What, like, what, what sort of distance are we talking about? And um, so I was swimming, um, events like the 50 free, um, the hundred free, the hundred fly, the 200 free. Um, those were the events that I had been concentrating on. I've always been a distance swimmer, which a distance swimmer swims like, you know, 500 is like your shortest race and you can go all the way up to a thousand, 1500, 1650. Um, but I wanted to do something that people told me I could never do, and that was be a sprinter because I'm five three. If you see, um, uh, if you see at Olympic swimmers, they're like five nine, five seven, maybe is the short. May I think Janet Evans was five five. Um, so you know, I'm a little bit um, much smaller than most, and um, and it takes a lot of um, you know muscle and just like you have to just really have some really good fast twitch muscles. And, um, and so that has been what I, you know, been working with, but you know, now I'm re I'm, I'm trying all the events, I'm doing all the strokes and just, uh, you know, just kind of giving myself more of a variety versus just this thing that I need to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, are there any Olympians your age? in the sport? Um, I believe Ryan Lochte is, um, he's going, I think for 2020, um, he's 32 years old, but I'm pretty sure that there aren't any Olympians my age that have never gone. Usually the people that are my age have already been to the Olympics. They've been doing this, um, swimming fast, you know, I've had to reconstruct my whole entire, not just my life, but my swimming stroke, um, you know, my eating habits, just I, I have changed myself so much to accomplish what I have today that it's remarkable that 
I'm able to do this at this age and be faster than I've ever been. Because for me, like I've never been this fast before. And and it's exciting to think that I'm just going to get faster. Right. So are, are you on anybody's radar now in terms of the, the powers that be for the, for Olympic swimming? Um, I, I don't, think so i mean i'm kind of um do i mean i run into different people all the time like you know i met ryan lochte at a nationals race um i've met carlin pipes that's a national swim uh world champion that wins a bunch of things and you know she's done that i met bruce gemmel which is katie ledecky's olympic coach he sends many Olympians, you know, every years and he's in the DC area. Uh, you know, I spoke with him and he told me that, you know, a lot of the older athletes are doing a lot more outside of the pool than inside. And, you know, just told me that, I mean, I was basically doing what it is that I could do. Hmm. That must feel good. Yeah, it is. Cause you know, I mean, it's just, I'm just, uh, you know, just, I've just decided that I, I'm just going to try my best every day and, you know, see what happens. I mean, I will say, um, you know, just recently becoming vegan has opened up a lot for me as far as, you know, gaining speed, um, gaining muscle recovery, gaining strength, gaining more endurance. Um, so I'm excited to c keep continuing with this and seeing what happens with that. Right. So that's where where we're going. With the, um, <laughs> yes. Right. So a bunch of listeners are now jumping up and down. They're going, oh, now I get why we're having this conversation. <laughs> so what what led you? You're already gluten free, dairy free, alcohol free, junk food free. What led you to consider going uh, animal product free? So I got into Bikram yoga. Um, last year I got into Bikram yoga and I started practicing Bikram yoga and what Bikram yoga is, it's a 26 times two series. So you're doing 26 postures and two breathing exercises. And what this particular practice does is it is healing you from the inside out. And so essentially if I'm doing this, you know, 30 classes or so every month, you know, I am healing my body, my body is essentially telling me what it needs and what it wants to do. And so what happened in August was someone decided to say, you know, you should just try cutting out pork. And I mean, I was eating like two and a half pounds of bacon, you know, a day, like I was eating a lot of meat, because if you are an athlete, or you don't know about, you know, what the benefits of cutting out meat and being a vegan are you, you hear this protein, 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 you know, I need protein. I got to get my protein in. And so I was like, there's no way that I could ever be vegan because I got to get my protein, you know? And so, but the moment that I cut out pork, my body was like chicken and beef are heavy. Then for two months I did a fish diet and my body was like, this is heavy. And I just decided my boyfriend and I were like, let's just do a 15 day experiment. Like, we're not going to like say we're vegans, but we're just going to like try it out and see what happens. And 
in those 15 days, I had so much energy. I could do like five workouts one day, come back the next day and do another five, just like continuing working out all day long. And I was like, I'm sold. <laughs> like I'm sold. Like I don't need to go back, you know? And, and what's also great is that like the, what I, I influence so many people on a daily basis. And when they found out that, you know, I was, I was going vegan and I was trying this way, so many other people wanted to try that way too. And it just like really, it was just really great to see other people's benefits too from trying it just by me saying, Hey, this is my experience. They're like, what are you doing? You have so much energy, all this stuff. And it's just like, this is what I did. And I didn't just go from eating meat to not eating meat. I did it the way my body wanted to do it. And it's like, my body doesn't want it. Like, I can't say that I'm going to be a vegetarian or a vegan for eight years and go back to it. Like, I think when people try one thing and then go back, I think it's because they weren't actually ready to fully give it all they could and then they are like well I don't like this so I'm gonna go back and like for me like I'm sold like I just make so many amazing meals um I there's so much creativity that comes from it like my mind body and spirit are so connected like I just feel like eating meat for me was like putting cobwebs in my body Hmm. so you were eating two and a half pounds of bacon a day and yeah. <laughs> you decided to like like just from a practical perspective what do you how do you how do you go about altering the the design and structure of your meals did you know what to do did you have resources did you just you know replace it with like vegan junk food for a while did you go really clean like what were the steps when you said okay uh, now i'm going to do this now what so I, again, I just really followed my body. So my massage therapist, Laura, she has been a vegan for 32 years. And so she, you know, I see her once a week. And so she would always give me these amazing tips and resources and telling me other things that I could look up and all those things. And so I also wanted my meals to feel like, I was eating meat, but not eating meat. So like, like having like really like comf like just really good meals. Like for instance, like I love using lentils and making like a lentil um, casserole and like having like, you know, just those lentils. Sometimes I put beans in it, rice, you know, whatever it is, like complex carbs. Like I try to eat all of my nutrients, whether it's vegetables, car, you know, I try to have a balance with everything. And so I try to, in each meal that I have, I try to create a balance for myself in those meals. Gotcha. So I think, I think, I think it was Laura who connected us. Um, yes. So if yeah, you want, yeah. if you want to give her a public shout out here so that uh, yes, if, if Laura, someone, thank someone, you. <laughs> so let, let people know, like, you know, if, if she's okay with it, who, who she is and how people can get, get in touch with her. Yeah, so um, Laura Marks is my uh, massage therapist. We met um, 
you know, I told her my story, what I was trying to accomplish and she loved it. And, um, you know, and we had talked about like, I mean, honestly, I had always kind of wanted to be vegan, but I didn't necessarily know how to start. And so just with her guidance, she also does hypnosis um, in my massages. So she has been a lot like helping me with um, performance um, hypnosis, I'll say, where it's allowing me to like just clear out some old trauma, some triggers and different things that I don't, that aren't serving me right now and are helping me, you know, stay more into the positive um, mindset for her business is called wellness wisdom. And you can find her on Facebook, Laura Marks. Wellness wisdom, Laura Marks. Cool. Yeah. I was going to ask you about sort of the, the mental parts of this, because, you know, not being an Olympian, I, um, I read a lot and I know that that, um, you know, there's these famous stories about Michael Phelps and the mental workouts that he does. You know, at a certain point, everybody in the Olympics is kind of like superhuman physically. They've trained. Nobody's yeah. there because they haven't trained their ass off. Nobody's there because they don't have incredible innate ability and technique. Um but the thing that separates like gold from not podiuming is usually mental. And yes. So how, so what do you talk about what, what you do to get the mental edge? So I will say that um, the Bikram yoga for me has been getting me into my element. So what Bikram yoga, I mean, you do the same thing every single day. The teacher is the mind and you are the body. And so when you actually receive like this person is the t I'm just the body and you can clear all of your thoughts like it's hot in here, like I can't do this posture, like all those things. When you like clear that out, you have an amazing practice. And so what's happening after a year of Bikram yoga for me is I am able to now apply this into my swimming. So like, for instance, last weekend, I decided that I was going to swim events that I normally don't swim. And I was going to have a really good time doing it. I didn't care about the time. I didn't care about anything. I was going to mimic how my yoga is. Whatever I said in my mind was going to happen. I was going to be in the present moment. And that was what I was going to do. That was my best performance ever. I got first in the 200 flag, dropped 11 seconds. I was um, second in the 200 IM, dropped um, three seconds. And in the 50 breast, which, I mean, breaststroke for a person with hip dysplasia, like I dropped eight seconds and had and, and placed third in my age group. And it was just so, like, relaxing for me to, like, see that like if I actually just have fun in the moment that is my that is my strategy for how I am going to be in the moment is because like all the years that I've been swimming I would be like oh my gosh like here's the race you know I gotta like I'm worried now like and I'm sure every Olympian has their own way of getting to this particular point but for me like I, so you can't just tell me like, hey, you should like, you know, 
just get zenned out or, you know, just be in this space. Like I have needed that structure that Bikram yoga has given to me. And I've been able to put that structure now into the pool. And that is allowing me to really see like some serious changes in myself. Like I'm just really excited now to, to race every time. It's like, Oh my gosh, like what's going to happen now? You know, because I'm in the moment. Like, I'm enjoying this moment right now. Hmm. I'm imagining there's a lot of people who are trying to wrap their head around that as a strategy. Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to compete, you've got to be competitive. You've got to, you know, you've got to be angry at the other people. You're going to, you know, sort of want to trash talk. You want to be like totally in fight or flight mobilization. How do you, how do you mobilize your body for that intense expenditure? without going into, you know, a fear response or a a danger response, if you're totally like loving life at that moment? (laughs) Well, I'll say that, you know, I, I believe that fear and excitement are the same, like the same feeling, but it just depends on how you turn it in. So if I can turn that flight or fight into excitement into you know yes like i'm excited that you know i'm gonna be like doing this race right here for me that's just like being angry at someone or you know oh i'm gonna beat them it gives me the same feeling as if i were to say oh yeah like i'm gonna beat you you know like and and it's just because of for me, like what I've gone through and just my own personal experience of what I've needed to get me to this point. Mm. But I believe for myself that it, for me, that's the same feeling of like, Oh, I'm going to kick your butt. Yes. I'm going to enjoy this moment. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's, that's so fascinating. And I'm just uh, finished listening to a podcast. Uh, My friend, Peter Bregman has a podcast and he interviewed uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, who wrote a book called how emotions are made. And mm. she, she talks about just that thing that we're, we're our brains interpret sensation, and then decide what the emotion is going to be. And it's so fascinating to hear you, um, you know, articulate that as a as a uh, as an experiencer, and, and a practitioner of that. Yes, and and I'll say that I mean, honestly, becoming vegan today is my 120th day, four months now of, you know, being vegan. And I'll say that it's just getting more and more clear for me. Like, I mean, honestly, just last weekend, March 3rd was when I really experienced this experience of like excitement and how I'm going to approach my strategy when I swim. Because before I would get like so wrapped up, like for instance, February 15th, I had a race. Bruce Gemmel was there. There were so many fast people there. And I got in my head and I believed that I didn't deserve to be there. Mm. And so since I believed that I didn't deserve to be there, I didn't. I did horrible. I, I did worst times I added times I got upset you know and the best thing that my coach said to me in that moment was Sarah it's just swimming and I was like oh my gosh you're right it's just swimming like if I were to put all this pressure on myself imagine Michael Phelps 
putting all this pressure on himself all the time, he wouldn't be the greatest Olympian he is today if he did that to himself, you know? And, and we all have to learn our own lessons to get to where we personally need to be. But for me, I'll say, you know, being a vegan and practicing Bikram yoga every single day, at least getting 30 practices in is shaping who I am becoming in the water. Hmm. And probably out of the water as well. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in all of life, yes. Yeah. So let's do a little advertisement for, for the vegan plant-based lifestyle for athletes. What, what have you noticed changes in yourself, uh, whatever, physical performance, appearance? Um, you know, what, what, it's been how many days now, did you say? 120. 120. So what, yes. what, what have you noticed? So I have noticed, I mean, the energy that I have is amazing. Just, um, I just didn't know that I could have this much energy off of plants. Like, I mean, it just, I didn't believe it. Like, I honestly didn't believe it. When people, people even said to me, look, there's no way that you could be a vegan because of the amount of meat that you need. But what I'm noticing is that my body was doing so much work to digest that food that now I can use that energy that was digesting my food to now putting it into my workout. So now I can do two 90-minute, you know, Bikram yoga classes in a day, two swim practices, a cycling class, you know, uh, a, a Pilates class, you know, whatever it is that I have scheduled for that day, it's, I still have energy and, and my recovery time. I have no hip pain anymore. I, you know, I, I, I almost forget that I've had seven hip surgeries because the amount of recovery that my hips are um, having, my mind and body connection as far as like before I never used my legs. Now my mind and body know what to do so that I can achieve getting faster getting stronger, being more disciplined with myself. Mm. So have you noticed in that time a, a an increase in your performance? Drop drop in yes. seconds? Yes. Um I'll, like at first when I first started, I'll say the performance was my technique because um if you're familiar with swimming or even golfing or any of these sports that, you know, have a certain technique that is required so that you can move your own personal body to the maximum potential that it can, that has helped me in that way. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And as far as times, like, I mean, like I said, last weekend was really the first weekend that I really had like an exceptional race where, you know, I was able to put like, because I felt like I could still go faster. Like I just noticed that, oh my gosh, I went this fast. I know next time I can go even faster. And like when I told people, even some people that were vegan, when it was even like 90 or 100 days, they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to get faster. And like, I believe that and I can see it 
in my performance, in my practices, now in the races. Like, I mean, that hundred mark, I think, was like a, a goal mine for me to be like, okay, let's see what's going to be coming next because I have some big races coming up. Like, I'm going to be traveling to Indiana for national championships. I'll be in Orlando in July. And so I have some pretty big races coming up. And so I'm excited to see what will happen with my times mm -hmm. this year. Gotcha. And can do you, do you, do you uh, have to qualify for nationals and for Orlando, or can anyone just sign up and do a do a heat? Um, yes, you have to qualify. Um, I've qualified in all the freestyle events so far. Um, so this weekend, and I have another meet in Virginia to see if I can qualify for other events. So then I can choose what it is that I want to do. You can swim up to six events at the national um, time. And this is U.S. Masters. So this is people ages from 18 to 100. You know, they're all swimming. And they all have certain times. Like I'm in age group 30 to 34. So I'm going to be getting the time for my age group and with the times you can still get qualifying times for you know olympic times you know national times for usa swimming you can get these in u.s masters because they're both sanctioned by fina gotcha so when when might you know about the about the um olympics? Well, I would say um, for me, my own personal goal is I would hope to know like by the end of this summer as far as like, you know, what events I'm really going to be singling, like really focusing on and, um, you know, seeing like I'm hoping that my times are much closer um, to the times and um, so that I can go into 2019 and, you know, go to South Korea to, you know, um, do championships there and just, um, you know, qualify for the national team and all of those things. Wow. Yeah. So it's still a lot of exciting. I mean, you guys are watching the caterpillar turn into the butterfly. So you all get to experience an amazing transformation of, you know, from what was to what will be coming. Hmm. And I'm and I'm guessing, you know, that you're you're putting everything into this Olympic dream, and at the same time, from the way you describe how your psyche is changing, that the the goal is like the goal is to get to the Olympics and do well and maybe win a medal. But really, the goal is to become who you have to become in order to pursue that. Yes, exactly. So, so actually, the journey of this is actually the most important part versus winning the gold medal. Because, you know, at first, it was just kind of like, why is it that I want to be an Olympian? You know, like, I mean, I always like, because it's just like, you know, as a kid, like, you know, I had some jobs, you know, I, I did some things. And it's just like, what is it for me? And for me, like, I just want, want to achieve this for myself to prove that out of all of the things that I've been through, I still was able to create this 
person that I wanted to be. And also to like motivate and inspire other people that maybe are in a time of, you know, like just self doubt and, you know, not really thinking that they can go to that job or they can work out or they can lose those 30 pounds. But I want to be that person that they looked up to and said, you know what? She did that. So I know that I can do this little thing that I want to do here or big thing or whatever it is that they want to achieve in their life. Mm. So how do you um, explain to people that you're not different from them? Because I know so, so many of, of my friends and colleagues who have made these huge transformations and, you know, they've and they look good and they perform like something happens where where people look at them and say, well, you know, it was inevitable for you. You're different from me. You've got something special. Do you do you sense that, that that's, that's a barrier you have to overcome with people? Yes, I I do believe it. And I really believe that it it comes with self-love and really, really like loving yourself first and believing in yourself. And when I see people like have gratitude and just like they start to unravel that, um, that way of thinking, because it's a way of thinking that we have developed as a society, because it's like you see actors, you see like all these people, you know, they have all this money. And it's like, you think like, oh my gosh, how could I do that? Like, I'm just this little girl, you know, sitting here. And like, I mean, that was what I thought my whole entire life until like, I just had all these several breaking moments for me that it was just like, Hey, do you really want to do this? Okay, let's keep going, you know, and just finding that positivity in myself and in others that essentially motivates me to be better because I mean, I'm bringing the community into this. I work out with regular people every day and I tell them how great they are and how they can accomplish these things because I'm doing it every day. And like, for me, it's not, it's not even about like being famous or anything like that. It's just really about unraveling that conditioning that we have all have at some point in our life and we all can unravel it and be our best selves. Okay. But how, how do you, how did you love yourself? Did you, was it, is, was it a decision? Cause I know everybody hears that and it's like, you know, a nice thing to yeah. see on a Facebook meme or a doily, like believe in yourself, <laughs> you, you know, love yourself. Yeah. And yet, you know, there've been plenty of times in my life where if someone had told me to love themselves, you know, I would have, wanted to punch them in the nose and say, but you don't know how, how, <laughs> how profoundly unlovable I am. Like, do you want me to believe a lie? Like what, what's, what are the, yes. what are the steps that you think people need to go through to go from one state to the other? So I'll say for myself, I needed to hit rock bottom. So when I say we didn't really talk much about this part of my journey, but for me, hitting rock bottom was being in a nine year relationship and it ending just like that, having no money, nowhere to go and just feeling like I was just this awful person, like that I was unworthy, that I just 
had nothing. And so what happened in that moment was I started meditating and I started meditating to find God, you know, source, like to find like that oneness that is in me. I wanted to find it for myself. And I became very curious and very, um, really like that was what I did. And so I did a lot of meditation. I would med, I started meditating maybe 10 minutes a day. And when I say meditation, you can put some like cool, you know, little sounds on and just sit with your thoughts. What are you thinking? What is it that you're saying to yourself that's creating this way of thinking for you? What is this doing for yourself that you are allowing this type of self-doubt, this talk that you're saying to yourself, like what is creating that? And so the more that I sat in my thoughts, when I forgave my, when I was able to fully forgive my ex-boyfriend for terminating that relationship, because at first it feels like, It's the worst thing in the world. But when you actually forgive yourself for all of those things that you thought you were the bad person, you didn't do this right, or you didn't do this, when you feel that forgiveness for yourself, that is when you really find self-love and you just start to like unravel all of the conditioning that you have received in your life. And you just start seeing the positive in every single situation. And the more that you practice this, the more that you sit in silence, the more that you surround yourself with more like-minded people, you then start to fully actually feel what it feels like to love yourself. Mm. So it sounds like, the first step was like getting in touch with like a molecule of what I want to call faith. Like here you were yes. like, I'm unworthy. I'm awful. I've hit rock bottom. And the place I'm going to go looking for redemption is inside. Like that, yes. that must have been a leap. It was, it was a huge leap. I mean, it was, it was the trans, it was the transition of myself to who I am right now talking to you, to who I was at the end of 2015, wanting to quit, wanting to give up, wanting to end my life, like wanting to just be done with everything. But when I actually sat with myself and got comfortable with myself and being okay with myself, that was when everything changed for me the people I surrounded myself with, the ideas that came to life, you know, all these different things started happening to me because I was creating that from the inside. Mm. I just, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Yeah. I just want to put a bow around it and carry it with me. And then I know. it's like, like I just bottled the sun and I just get to, you know, Look at the shine. That's uh, you're so yeah. you're so radiantly articulate about this. It's, yeah. it's really. I mean, it, it's just 
it's just so beautiful because I've gone through it and it motivates me to talk to people about it, to have separate conversations with people about what it is that they're doing. If you don't like what it is that's happening to you, change it and don't look for it from the outside because that's what I did. When I was looking to make my ex happy, I was trying to change myself. But if I would have just looked inside and realized that that just wasn't for me, like I could have like exited all of those problems that I decided I needed, you know, for my own self. But I'm really grateful for that because I needed that for myself to be in this particular moment right now because I can just look back and just have so much gratitude for like the person I was, the person that went through all those awful things to now and getting to share that with everyone. And, and, and that's just the most amazing thing. It doesn't even matter about actually getting the gold medal. It's about right here where I am. I've already achieved so much. So it's like, it's just going to be the icing on the cake when I get that gold medal and I hear that United States anthem. And, and it's just like, oh my gosh, like I did this like from the inside out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad we're having this conversation now and not after that gold medal moment, because I think for, yeah. <laughs> for, for me, there would be this thought going like, oh, well, Sarah's like special, like I'm going oh, to be curious and interested, but fundamentally we're different. And like what I want to say to you right now is like, you're so amazing and you're so totally not special. <laughs> yes. you know, which, which sounds horrible, except I think you, yeah. you understand in the context what I mean by that is like this is totally, this is totally accessible to all of us. Yes, we all have a superhero lying inside of us waiting to be unleashed. And the moment that we make the decision that we want to unleash that, that is when we become our greatest selves and that we can all help change the world that we live in around us just from within. Oh, I'm writing this down. I think I think we gave me the tag. Yes, write it down. You gave me the tagline for the for the uh, for the episode. I love it. <laughs> on un unleashing our inner superhero. Yes, I love it. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, that's a great metaphor because I just uh, I just saw a Black Panther movie, and you know, the 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 thing about the superhero genre is that they all get to have this outsized impact on their world. Yes. Right? And we all want that. And and we we can have it. We can. But like some of us, like for me, even like I needed to hit rock bottom for me to see that at rock bottom, the only way is up. <laughs> you can't go any further down like it's only up. And when you experience that, when you recognize it, when you, you know, see that in yourself, you then see it in everyone around you. And you then just like can just give all these great tips. Right. And I'd, <laughs> I'd like to encourage everyone who's listening to accept the fact that right now you are at rock bottom, you don't need to go any lower. Yes, exactly. right. And we get to choose our rock bottom, because what, what for you the choice, the, the thing you did at that point was look inward for for the source of your agency, 
for yes. right instead right so we don't have to we don't have to be like you know homeless in the gutter with the needle sticking out of our arm mm-hmm. to be to be rock bottom but when you look around and you see like this is the world that my consciousness has created and my consciousness has created it therefore i need to go and tinker with my consciousness to create something else then yeah. that that can, that can be your your moment right we, we, we're not telling exactly. people, we're not telling people to to like wait till it gets really really bad no no please don't like yeah just i mean if you were to just look at your own life right now and if you were to say how can i make this better and if you just just took 10 minutes to sit with your own thoughts each day you will find that you will start to shape what it is that you want on the outside. Hmm. And we just, I just did an interview um, a few weeks ago with uh, Emily Fletcher of uh, Ziva Meditation, and, and her meditation practice follows mm-hmm. the same thing. Like the first, the first couple of minutes is mindfulness, the second larger chunk is meditation, and the third is manifesting, where you use the energy to then create in your mind your external reality. Yes. Exactly. And that's what I'm doing. That's how I'm getting to the Olympics. See, I'm telling you all my secrets. <laughs> I'm going within. <laughs> I'm learning my lessons. I'm I'm being grateful each day. And I'm just taking it day by day and seeing what happens and not having any expectation but gratitude that you know what? I figured this out at this age and it's a beautiful, beautiful gift. And I'm so grateful that I get to share it with all of you and all the people that I, I conversate with daily. So cool. So, um, for people who've gotten a hit and want more, (laughs) do you have a social media presence or a website or can, how can people uh, can keep drinking from the water fountain of, of wonderful Sarah (laughs) Bowfinger? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, well, you can find me um, on social media, Sarah Bowfinger. Um, I also have uh, my um, athlete page, Mergoddess. And Mergoddess, I dive a little deeper. I actually um, blog a lot more. I share my experiences, what I learn each month. So, for instance, February, I learned letting go, not to have attachment to certain things. And then when you don't have attachment, you're able to get the outcome. And so... Through all of this, um, you know, through my acupuncture appointments, um, my vegan meals, you know, I post a lot more of my journey on my Murgatis page. And Murgatis, so that would be like Facebook, Instagram, dot com, yeah, Facebook, and Murgatis Eleven. Murgatis Eleven, you can find. So Murgatis is M E R Goddess and the number eleven, two Uh two ones. Yes. Okay, so I'll post. You can find that on Instagram. Facebook, um, Twitter is Mergoddess one. They didn't let me have an eleven. I only got at least I got a one, number one. <laughs> um, on those, I don't have a website yet, but that is coming because um, I've started to create events for the community called Fly First Love Yourself, and so I'm sharing with people how you can actually first love yourself through meditation, through acupuncture, through exercise, and in that I'm. I'm showing people also how to eat a meal without 
animals so that we can, you know, love ourselves just a little bit more. <laughs> awesome. Do, do you know what the URL is going to be? Um, I would assume that I would make it, mer, you know, mergoddess.com if that's available. Um, you know, but I am, um, yeah, like I said, I, I'm just, you know, when the time is right, I um, am doing it because I am living, um, this is my full time. Like, I, I'm not chasing money, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm creating what it is that I want from the inside, and I am receiving everything that I need when it happens. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see when all of this happens. It's going to be great. Awesome. Uh, I'm so I'm so excited. I'm going to be following all of the social media channels and uh, we'll, uh, we'll hear, we'll, you know, hear, hear the uh, the anthem in our heads. Uh, yes. A couple, a couple of years before they're actually going to be playing. Where, where is 2020? Is, is that in, re- in Tokyo? In Tokyo. Yeah. So that's going to be really exciting. So, you know, the first step is um, making the um, Olympic team and then you have to be top two in the Olympic team and so um and then in august you would go to tokyo all right well so i'm just i'm just excited to create what it is that i want and 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 hopes that you know i can be the leader to help others create what it is that they want and we can essentially help change the world awesome awesome so i I hope you'll save a, a few minutes in your schedule for me uh when uh, you know today in Good Morning America and and all those uh, yes. knocking on your door. <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, yes, I will. I'm so excited. Cool. When the time is right, they will all they will all be there, and I'll have space for everyone. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sarah Bofinger, I'm, it's such a pleasure and an honor and inspiration to to hear your story and to be allowed to uh, to share it with others. So thank you so much for everything you're doing. Best of luck, and thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you so much. I'm, I am. It's an honor to be on your show, so thank you. All right. Be well. All right. What did you think of that? Are you as inspired as I am? Are you going to be rooting for Sarah, in, first of all, to make it into the 2020 Olympics? And can you imagine her on that podium with the gold medal around her neck? Uh, I'm already semi-weeping. Um, I'm so happy to have had this conversation. It's just gotten such a boost of, of, of energy and positivity. You know, it, it's, she's one of these people who really kind of cuts all my excuses out from underneath me and makes me just want to try harder, push farther, focus more, and just smile and be more grateful and more forgiving. So I hope uh, she's had the same effect on you as well. So if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support our mission, you can subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And of course, you can become a patron on Patreon as well. Uh, we just began a big change program as part of Wellstart Health. So you're going to have to wait probably another month. But if you'd like to get on the waiting list, you can do that at bigchangeprogram.com by signing up for the test drive. If you want more about Sarah, you can check out the show notes for today's episode with links to the stuff we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 271. You can also watch the video. We did manage to get the video working. And so if you want to see us and see our smiling faces connecting with each other, that's also at plantyourself.com slash 271. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 270 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. 
And you can also at playyourself.com sline up, sign up for my newsletter. And you can do that just at the top right. Just enter your name and email. Okay, what's going on? Garden news. We are getting collard smoothies. I don't know why the collards did so great. The kale, eh, but the collards, my wife took a whole bunch of old seeds and kind of threw them down on the ground just to get them out of the way. And man, they sprouted their own little garden down by the bees. So uh, she is getting stung as, as she picks them, um, but they are making really good smoothies. So I guess no pain, no gain. In running news, I did my first barefoot run in probably half a year. So I now have a, a blister the size of a Prius on my right foot and uh, feels good to be uh, back having the earth under my feet again. I was inspired by Katie Bowman's book, Move Your DNA, to uh, to let go of the shoes and, and go all natural, well, at least from the ankles down. Thank goodness. All right, time for some thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Dawn, The Dance of Peace. You can find out more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. Also, if you're in the North Carolina Triangle area, I was on Spotify looking at upcoming concerts and will is playing it two or three times by himself and also part of the band uh, diali suzoku and kairaba so if you're in the area you can just look him up by name and you can find out all the venues where he's going to be playing and last thanks to all of you plant yourself podcast patrons if you feel bad about me uh, having to uh, hold my breath so long to read these names and that's what's been stopping you from adding your name to this list, then you don't have to add it, but uh, know that I find this one of the most pleasurable things in my week to uh, to go through and see how many uh, breaths it takes me to thank all the wonderful people who make this show possible. So, here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Dixon, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Blakenowski, David Bysak, The Mysterious, Michelle Axe, Elizabeth Thelton, Victoria Dolmanova, Lee Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rollins, Stu Dolmick, Sarah Dirkus, Ronis Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Peterson, Leanne Peterson, Jan Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Bennett, Gita Lacerda, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Doron Avizo, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Anthony Burke, Risha Rose, Michael Morbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Buse, Alan Lennon, the Inscrutable Harry R. Susan Laverty, the Panda Vegan Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burley, Heather Borgen, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Organ, Sabine Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Coppenshell, Ruthless, Julian Watkins, Brito, O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Sharon Hirschman, Kate Rosalind, Diad, Julie Lang, Home, Heather Gardis, Susan Wakati, Ainline, Aaron Career, Alicia Davis, Avila, Al Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Jerry Olikoski, Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Moran, Karen, Joe Crabtree, Kent Hanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carrell, Kevin McCauley, Lisa Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Sherry, Jenny Hayes, Plain Valley, LTA, Peter W. Evans. Oh my God. Just three to go. Colleen Harrison, Justine Divot, and Joshua Summermeyer for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Dawn, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. 
Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Marrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Swam Fonsek, Jeanette Benham, Gail Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, Ruthann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis... Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman. Patty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>